Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. Man, a lot to talk about. We got Darius Slay pulling in some bank. We're going to look at what that does to the earning potential and the earnings to date of Mississippi State players in the National Football League. We've got a very controversial, and I'm sure it's not. it shouldn't be controversial, because my opinion is the correct one. We've got a very, let's say, thought-provoking top ten list today. I'm kind of enjoying doing these top ten lists, because it's promoted a lot of discussion. I've had people reach out to me, say, Steve, you're totally wrong about this, even though they're wrong. Or they say, hey, Steve, you nailed this, you got that. I've enjoyed doing it. I'm a music guy. Music is always on. Whenever I'm not recording or writing or whatever, a lot of times when I'm writing, I'm listening to music. 
music is a huge part of my life, and it should be yours as well. I think music is one of the things that will help us sustain ourselves through this isolation and quarantine. I wish there was new music, and I'm glad to see a lot of these bands are going to do some Facebook Live type stuff to kind of entertain us, which is really cool. It's always nice to be able to get to interact with the people that, uh, that bring us joy. And so excited to see some of that. But this top 10 list, you know, I've, I've thrown you guys a couple of softballs. I've done 80s metal, and I've had a few people come at me on social media, and, and uh, I disagree. I disagree with them, and that's okay. Had a guy yesterday, Boneyard Listener, tweeted out his uh, list and had Winger and White Lion ahead of Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses. I, I reject that premise on principle. But uh, I've enjoyed the dialogue. I really have. And uh, we all have our own opinions. Mine are correct. Yours wrong when it comes to music anyway. And so glad to be able to do this, but I know today's top 10 list is going to raise a few eyebrows and I'm sure I'll get a few messages and tweets and that sort of stuff saying, Steve, you're totally wrong. I am 100% correct about this and we're going to talk about it in length today. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I checked in with them yesterday. They are still providing dining service. But it is very, it's very, 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 very minor compared to what it has been. The students aren't in town, right? You can get curbside service. You can call in. You can order. And uh, they'll bring it right to the car for you. So you can still enjoy Bulldog Burger Company. You can still have DeLorean. And listen, I don't know how long this lasts. You know, I mean, there may be some times and with the restaurants and start, we'll decide, you know what? We're going to go ahead and dial it back. But uh, there are some people doing curbside service. There are some restaurants in town that are closed. Bulldog Burger Company is open for the time being. And they are providing curbside service. Two locations to serve you now on University Drive right here in Starkville. And then on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. And in the event that perhaps, and I always tell people about this anyway. Those gift cards, that's a smart thing to do. You can even call in. You can call in and uh, they can get you taken care of. But you can do that online. That's the easier, cleaner way. Just do it online. They'll have those gift cards sent out to you. Because here's the deal. You're going to be back in Starkville. You're going to be going to a ball game. And you're going to want to enjoy Bulldog Burger Company. They could use your support during this time. And, and listen, we could all use it from each other. But again, Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville and now Tupelo where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. Okay, let's let's get into this Darius Slate thing. There are a lot of moving parts to this, but the, here's the bottom line. He has been traded from the Detroit Lions to the Philadelphia Eagles, where he will reunite with Fletcher Cox. Darius Slay, in a year where there is uh, not a lot of true cover corners available in the free agent market, has cashed in royally. Three years, $50 million, $30 million of that guaranteed, 16.6 mil per season. It's good work if you can get it. Again, Darius Slade, now the highest paid corner in the National Football League, in the history of the National Football League. Now, at some point, somebody will come along and, and surpass that. But that is rather interesting. It's a guy that's made a ton of money. And has cashed in. And now, you know, with the Philadelphia Eagles, a team not too far removed from a Super Bowl championship, you know, they had some issues last year in pass defense, and they really struggled at times with some of those elite receivers in the NFC. Darius Slay, considered by many to be among the top cover guys in the National Football League, 
has played on some teams that uh, have not been very good. And he draws the top assignment every single Sunday. Every time out, he's going to get the best team's receiver, each opponent's best receiver. More times than not, he is going to be in man coverage the entire game. And he's going to put in big numbers every single game. He is, without a doubt, the best Mississippi State corner to play in the National Football League. And I know it's a bit of a hot take. You can say, well, Steve, you know, John Banks was there for a while, and he was, and he had some injuries and, uh, you know, kind of bounced around a little bit. Didn't stay, didn't stay very long. You know, Walt Harris is a guy that stayed in the league for a while. But in this day and time of the National Football League being a very pass-happy league, premium corners are a real commodity. They always have been in many respects. But listen, the NFL is a run-and-shoot air raid league now. Yeah, you still run it a little bit, but it is all about the passing game. I mean, look at what it's happened with the New Orleans Saints. You're going to throw the football around. You're going to have to defend the pass over and over and over every single game. It's not like it was, you know, even 15 years ago where it was all about being you know, predicated on the offensive line play and running the football and controlling the clock and time of possession. Man, it's about putting the points. And so when you've got guys like Michael Thomas and you've got guys like Julio Jones out there, you've got to have somebody that can take them away or at least limit their impact. And that's what Darius Slay does. Probably a little bit undervalued even by some of our own people. So let's run a few numbers here. All right, let's take a look here. I mentioned that uh, Darius Slay's deal now, you know, three or $50 million. The, uh, the Lions get a third and a fifth round pick in the 2020 draft. So it's a two for one deal. But, you know, but really Detroit's kind of getting out of having to pay, you know, big bucks to keep this guy. Yeah, and here's one of the things, too, I think is really interesting. When you begin to look around historically, Tommy Kelly, Mississippi State, former defensive lineman Tommy Kelly, back in 2008, he signed the largest contract at its time for a defensive lineman. Seven years, just over $50 million for the life of that contract. It's a Mississippi State guy. It's not unprecedented for a Mississippi State guy to lead his position or at some point you know, lead their respective sport when it comes to salary. But Tommy Kelly... I think it was $50.5 $50 million over seven years. It was a huge deal at its time. It surprised a lot of people. It was a huge deal. Fletcher Cox, back in 2016, he became the highest non-quarterback in NFL history. Highest paid quarterback. Non-quarterback, excuse me. Fletcher playing quarterback, that'd be interesting. But the highest paid non-quarterback in NFL history back in 2016. That was a that deal was $103 million with $63 million guaranteed. Absolutely unheard of type money. Now, Fletch's you know, standing in the league has come down a little bit salary-wise. He's now the eighth highest paid defensive lineman in the, in, in the National Football League at $17 million. It's really good work if you can get it. Huge numbers being made by Mississippi State student athletes. And Dak, of course, recently franchised. Chris Jones, recently franchised. We discussed all that on Monday. Dak's going to make over $30 million. Chris Jones is going to make around $16 million. Huge numbers. 
huge numbers. And then they'll get even bigger deals next year, whether they be with their respective teams or somebody else. So I, that what got me thinking about all this, and, and for those of you guys that, that are a little bit younger, Mississippi State's Will Clark was the first ever $4 million man in Major League Baseball. First guy to ever make $4 million. He signed, a, I guess it was a four-year, $15 million deal uh, several years ago. So there's another Mississippi State-related professional uh, sports trivia questionnaire. Will Clark, the first $4 million man in Major League Baseball. One of the things I thought we would do today, because I was curious, and, I, and it's one of those things, you know, when you spend so much time covering sports and that sort of stuff, I have learned this from, from my uh, former mentor, Scott Kennedy, many, many years ago, is that if we're around sports all the time and there are things that are interesting to us, chances are they're going to be interesting to our readers and listeners and subscribers and things of that nature. And so I was very curious. How much money is Mississippi State player, are Mississippi State players making in pro football right now? What's, what's the amount of money? We'll take a look at the guys that, are, that were on the active rosters at some point last year. This information can be found at sporttrack.com. So I wanted to share this with you. So we're going we're gonna to start with least to highest. This is earnings. This is career earnings to date through last season for players on active rosters. You, you with me? You, you follow me? So... Beginning the list at $121,000, and he also won a Super Bowl ring, Braxton Hoyette. How about that? Pretty good first year for Braxton. Was a practice squatter. Next on the list, Gary Green, defensive end, Indianapolis Colts. Gary brings in $305,608. Justin Johnson tied in with the Seattle Seahawks. $383,000. Mark McLaurin with the Giants. You know, Mark was hurt last year. $388,000. Deion Calhoun, a guy that he, at some point, Deion's going to have a big deal too. Now, now, guards don't get those max deals like some other positions do, but Deion would get a big deal at some point soon. Your uh, career to date, Dion, $505,000. That's pretty good first-year work out of college. Former dog, Fred Brown, and they're not former dogs, former Mississippi State player, part of that 2014 team that went to number one. I don't know that we beat Texas A&M without him, but we did blister him pretty good. Wide receiver, Fred Brown, Denver Broncos, career to date, 663250000 so six hundred and sixty-three, two hundred fifty thousand. I said that wrong. J.T. Gray. I know a lot of you Saints fans have been able to keep up with him. J.T. been in the year, the, you know, in the league now a couple of years. J.T.'s netted nine hundred and ten, five hundred and fifty, nine hundred ten thousand, five hundred and fifty dollars. Pretty good work for a career special teams guy. Former Bulldog tight end Jordan Thomas, starring with the Texans. Career earnings, $1,053,878. The pride of Columbia Academy. That's right, Columbia Academy in Columbia, Mississippi. Logan Cook. To date, $1,121,623.
And again, really good work if you can get it. Long snapper Hunter Bradley. One million one hundred and twenty-seven three hundred and forty-two dollars. One million one hundred and twenty-seven thousand three hundred and forty-two dollars. As a long snapper, kids, Hunter Bradley, a uh Tupelo Combine alum. Probably, you know, one of the first Tupelo Combine alums to, to, to be a millionaire. How about that? Malcolm Johnson been at it a while. Malcolm's bounced around a good bit. Malcolm, uh, your career to date has made one million two hundred nine thousand seven hundred ninety-seven bucks. Former Bulldog offensive tackle and uh, Hull Trophy recipient Martinez Rankin also went to Super Bowl ring last year. Two million fifteen thousand two hundred and sixty-eight bucks. The pride of Mendenhall, Mississippi. Cornerback Will Redmond. I guess he's playing some at safety now. Will Redmond has reeled in two million five hundred and twenty-six thousand one hundred and thirty-four bucks. Big money. Elton Jenkins, rookie year last year. Considered one of the top interior linemen in the National Football League already as a first-year player. Pulled in $3,436,556. Just ahead of Elton, the next guy on our list, a guy that's been uh, it's about to break the bank, Dak Prescott, quarterback. In his uh, four years, Dak Prescott's pulled in 4903172 and, and going to have over a $30 million payday this year. Chris Jones, just ahead of Dak, also won a Super Bowl ring last year, $6,231,229. Former first-round pick Jonathan Abram didn't even play last year, $6,872,000. Another guy from Marion County, Mississippi. Montez Sweat did play last year. Montez pulled in $6,981,372. That's big money. If I had that kind of money, you'd never hear from me again. Kyle Love is a guy that's bounced around the league, been a bit of a, German, a journeyman in this league. Kyle Love. $7,335,852 in his career. Jeff Simmons, first-year player, came back last year. Jeff Simmons changed the game for Tennessee last year in the playoffs. Tennessee doesn't, doesn't have the season they have last year without Jeff Simmons, and he was only there part of the time. Jeff Simmons, one year, $7,725,004. That's a lot of change. Danico Autry, you remember Danico Autry at one time was considered the top junior college defensive lineman in the country. Came to Mississippi State, kind of up and down, I guess. I think that senior bowl, senior game, senior season egg bowl might have been his best game of his career at Mississippi State. Really came on as a pro. That's one of the things Brian Baker and I talked about. He was one of those guys that kind of projected well as a value pick, and he really kind of found his game on the pro level. And the Colts have made him a rich man. Career earnings of $15,176,280. That's a lot of cheese. 
BMAC, the pride of Tunica, Mississippi, Rosa Ford High School. BMAC has been in the game a while. Probably got one more big contract in him. BMAC to date has made $21,076,900. Not a lot of people in the Mississippi Delta have <laughs> made that kind of money. Preston Smith, you know, signed the big deal last year with Green Bay and then had a huge, huge season. Green Bay is going to make life tough on a lot of people. Preston Smith, kind of up and down at times at Washington. And a lot of that's really more about Washington than it is Preston Smith. Preston Smith, a two-star recruit out of Stevenson High School in Stone Mountain, Georgia. is getting the last laugh. So far in his career, he's earned $23,956,760. Pernell McPhee, out of Pahokee, Florida, comes to Mississippi State, plays for David Turner, takes about half a year to figure it out, became a leader on this team. Career earnings, $28,028,070. And he's kind of quietly put those numbers together. He had the big contract a while back. Me and Baltimore picked him up too. That guy's made some change. Talking about getting out of the muck. Pernell McPhee. Now we're in the top five. Pernell McPhee was number five. Gabe Jackson of Amy County High School, right there, Liberty, Mississippi. Gabe Jackson, now probably the most successful resident from Liberty, Mississippi of all time, probably surpassing Jerry Clower. Gabe Jackson, career earnings of $30,475,119. And if you ever run into Gabe Jackson on campus, he is exactly the same guy he was when he was here. The money hadn't changed him. Still down to earth, still loves everybody, still loves Mississippi State. The number three highest paid active Mississippi State Bulldog in the National Football League is K.J. Wright. The, the Seahawks have really committed to K.J. He has been a mainstay up there. All the 12s love K.J. Wright. $38,346,000. And here's the interesting thing. Now, things will change heading into next year. But if you added up the number three and number two guys and added their salaries together, they still would have a tough time catching number one, just to kind of put that in perspective for you. Be really close. Darius Slay, number two, currently number two, $43,939,394. This is a guy that went to Itawama Community College. State signed him as a two-star kid out of Brunswick, Georgia, if I'm not mistaken. He goes to ICC a couple of years. Or maybe it's Northeast. Either way, he's a product of the Mississippi Junior College system. And he's made just under $44 million. The highest paid, and it's no surprise, Fletcher Cox. Fletcher Cox from Yazoo City, Mississippi. A guy that's still true to the state, still true to where he's from. Saw him on campus here two years ago. Had a chance to interview him and visit with him. He Fletch is exactly the same guy that he was in high school. 
He's just a lot better paid. Still friendly, still eager to talk, still smiles easy. Every time I have seen Fletcher Cox, since he has been at Mississippi State, he's a guy that always greets you with a handshake and a hug. Just a great, just a great guy. And it's good to see good guys have some success. There are no perfect people out there. I'm sure you can go dig up something where, you know, if somebody's upset, or somebody said some nasty things about Fletcher online or whatever, and you could say that about all of us. But Fletcher Cox has rolled in $73,690,246. That's a lot of cheese. That's a lot of cheese. Now, so with Darius Slay, we'll probably gain some on Fletch. Fletch probably has another contract left. I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a max type deal, but Fletch will have another big year. He'll have another contract. He's still playing at a very high level. Yeah, I think you can kind of begin to talk about Fletcher Cox. I think if you begin to look at you know numbers and look at you know the fact that he has been a you know, perennial pro bowler, you start thinking, okay, could he be a potential Hall of Fame guy? I think you begin to start having that conversation. Still some things left to prove, but he's won a Super Bowl. He gets in the Pro Bowl every single year. You know, Darius Slade's been in the Pro Bowl, what, three years in a row? So you've got some Bulldogs playing and earning at a very, very high level. Very, very, very high level. It's like when I look at this whole thing with, uh, you know, with Darius Slade, you know, if, if you had known back then, you know, a lot of people are thinking, you know, hey, Jay Banks is, you know, top corner and, and he wins the Thorpe Award and then and then Slay gets drafted ahead of him in the draft and has had the longer career. But when you begin to think about what Mississippi State had with Jonathan Banks and Darius Slay, you, so you had a Thorpe Award winner and then you had, you know, a $75 million corner on the other side. Are you kidding me? You begin to think about that and you think, you know, man, look at look at the pieces that we had and look at the guys that came here to Mississippi State that accepted our culture, embraced what we want to do here, and then they're, they're now reaping the benefits from it. You know, I think Jay Banks would have had a much longer career had he not got hurt. But uh, some very, very talented players, when you go back and look, and maybe we'll do that in, a, in an upcoming show, you go back and look at that 09 class. You know, that's a Tyler Russell, Chad Bumpus, Ladarius Perkins, uh, Cameron Lawrence class, and Pernell McPhee was in that class. Fletcher Cox is in that class. Josh Boyd was in that class. There's a lot of guys that did a lot of big things at Mississippi State. I still contend to you that is the best Mississippi State signing class of all time. And the numbers continue to bear that out. We'll do a show about that sometime soon. I want to remind you guys, too, I have made the switch to Hawthorne.co. Hawthorne.co. Love the products, love the scent, love the way it makes me feel. You, too, will appreciate Hawthorne.co. Let me encourage you right now. Go visit them at H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. Go do it today. Don't do it tomorrow or the next day because you'll forget. Go do it right now. you got time. And take the quiz. They will then pair you up with products that fit your preferences. The quiz is it's not like one of these things where you've got to give, you know, a pint of blood and open your mom and all that kind of stuff. You just go answer a few questions and they say, hey, listen, this is what works well with you. I love it. You get the work play, the, pardon me, the work scent and the play scent. Cologne. It's incredible. I, it's the best cologne that I've ever had. Then you add in the body wash, the shampoo, the conditioner, 
anything that you need, deodorant, all of it. It is a symphony of scent. You put it all together, you're going to be happy with it. I, I would not have accepted them as an, as an advertiser if I did not believe in the product. As, there are a lot of people that send me stuff and say, hey, Steve, we'd love to be able to broadcast or be an advertiser and supporter of the Boneyard. But with the company that I'm with, I get those probably four or five times a month. I've got somebody trying to jump on board here with Boneyard because we've got a huge audience. I partner with these folks because, number one, I believe in the product. They had me on a conference call. They answered every question. They said, listen, yeah, listen, you try it and see if you like it. And if you don't, we understand. Blown away. Absolutely blown away. You will be too. Again, that's hotthorn.co. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll save you a little cash and give you some incentive to give them a try. Promo code Boneyard. B-O-N-E-Y-A-R-D. Same thing. Same name of the show. That'll get you 10% off that first shipment. And you're probably going to want to set up a punishing shipments. But if you want to do like a one-time thing just to try it out, you can do that. You can always come back and change your preferences later. Again, that's Hawthorne, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E dot C-O. So let's get into the top 10 list. I, I, so I had I had a friend reach out to me and say, hey, Steve, I want you to talk. You let me know some other things like, you know, your favorite, you know, uh, high school games or, you know, favorite high school scouting moments and that kind of stuff. And, and I'm thinking about doing a bigger show about that later because I need some time to kind of figure some things out. I thought about doing that today. Because I thought about, you know, I've had the chance to see some great players play in high school. Not just in the state of Mississippi, but, you know, I saw Leonard Fournette play when, uh, you know, when he was in New Orleans at St. Aug and watched him play against Ryan Brown at Archbishop Shaw. That was a great game. And I was very privileged to be able to cover that. Uh, I had a chance to cover the, the, the Under Armour All-American game. And that was the year of the Tyler Russell, Chris uh, Garrett, uh, Clayton Moore year of quarterbacks here in Mississippi. And I remember thinking, oh, our guys aren't getting a fair shake. And then I saw Matt Barkley stuff off the airplane and then whistled the football around. And I was like, you know, well, our guys are probably evaluated right. I think we're about right. And those are things that are important to me. So we'll talk more about that later. And we've got some, I've got some good show ideas some things that I think that are of value to you. But I have had a lot of success and a lot of feedback from you guys about the music stuff. Because I'm a big music guy. So I thought, you know what, Let, let's go 90s. Let's go 90s rock bands today. 90s. We might get into, at some point, the early 90s underground dancing. You know, maybe we talk some Noel, some Egyptian Lover, TKA, people like that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I know some, I'm speaking Greek to some of you guys, but if you know, you know. If you know, you know. If you if you know if you know me, you know Kuiper, right? <clears throat> so let's get into this. I've got some things to say after I give a top ten list here because I know some of you guys are going to disagree, and your opinions. You know, uh, while I love you all, many of your opinions are are rooted in hyperbole when it comes to '90s rock. So, and when I mention '90s rock, it's kind of like the '80s. I'm not mentioning like '80s bands that continue to play in the '90s. I'm not really talking about them. I'm talking about people that rose to prominence in the 90s, right? Because I could continue to talk about, you know, Guns N' Roses or whatever. Not doing that. ACDC. No. We're just going to talk about bands that really rose to prominence in the rock scene in the 1990s. Everybody okay? You with me now? Everybody good? I want to give a hat tip to a few bands that didn't make the top 10 that I, that I spent a lot of time thinking about. Because I could have done it, but maybe the catalog wasn't quite as deep. You know, one band that, wrote, that had a lot of records, but I don't think had a lot of hit songs is Collective Soul. 
really love Shine and the world I have known. And all, you know, listen, I like them a lot. Uh, my mother-in-law passed away several years ago and uh, was a huge Collective Soul fan. And so at her funeral, that's what we played, Collective Soul. Some of her favorite bands. So we did. And when I passed, that's what I want you guys to do too. Put on some Model E. All right, so Collective Soul gets a hat tip. Mother Love Bone just had the one album, but really started uh, kind of the grunge movement, movement in many ways. Them and Screaming Trees, bands like that. They were the infancy of the Seattle sound. There's some other bands that found some success that made the top ten list that are getting a lot of notoriety. But Mother Love Bone and Andrew Wood, you know, that's people. For those of you that don't know, uh, Stone Gossard and Jeff Ament from Pearl Jam were in Mother Love Bone, and then began a new band after Andrew's Untimely Death. Blind Melon, and I could have easily put them in. A lot of Mississippi boys in that band, but the catalog just wasn't expansive enough. There are some other bands out there that had several albums and a lot of hits, but Blind Melon, one of the best 90s bands without question. Listen to Tones of Home and Changed and all that stuff. That first album, it changed everything. And I would encourage you, go watch the No Rain video today. It'll make you feel better. Go watch the, the, the B-Girl. You remember all that. It, it was a viral video before viral videos were a thing. And then Candlebox. I've seen Candlebox live and uh, love Kevin. It's incredible how his voice has held up over the years. Just not enough hits. That first album, I think that just about every song on there was was a could have been a single, but Left Behind is is the the quintessential Candlebox song. Absolutely love them, love their sound, but they finished just outside the top ten. Just not enough hits. All right, so let's get to it. Uh, number 10 on my list is Oasis, the only foreign band on the list, the only non-American band on the list. Oasis, hey, listen, I, mean, I don't know, people say, well, Steve, it's just Wonderwall. No, it's not. It's No, it's not just Wonderwall. Go back and listen to Definitely Maybe and all of that. Uh, Supersonic was a great song. Lo loved that. And there are a bunch of hits that, that Oasis had. A lot of people said, well, they're a lot like the Beatles. I didn't, just because they're a British band. But Oasis, huge numbers, pretty good catalog, not as expensive as some other guys on the list, but the Oasis is my number 10. Number nine, even though this band was formed in the late 80s and they had a huge debut album, it was really in the 90s when they found their groove, and that's the Black Crows. And I could easily have moved them up on this list. But I don't know that their sound is, is really 90s rock. I think they're just, I think they kind of transcend the decade. And I'm so glad they're back together. I was hoping to see them this summer. Doesn't look like it's going to happen. But I'm so glad that the Robinson Brothers have kind of reunited and are making music again. Number eight on my list. And again, I could have gone higher here. But I began to think about a few other bands. And, um, you know, I. If I had to rethink it, if, I, if there was anybody on this list, I would move up in hindsight. It's this one. Number eight is Tool. Love Tool. So glad the full catalog is online now. You can listen to it for years and years. You couldn't. Lawsuits are getting settled. There's new material from Tool. Love them. And, and listen, it's not just sober. There are a lot of people that say, well, that was a really good song. And I do. Listen, there are so many great albums 
in this collection. 10,000 uh, is my favorite. But you go back and listen to, you know, Vicarious, and that's Vicarious is my favorite tool song. But uh, they are kind of more in tune. Like if I was to ever have a fantasy band sound, it would be a lot like Tool. I just wouldn't do seven and eight minute songs. Number seven on my list, one of the most influential bands of the 90s and perhaps the genre and really the alternative rock generation, Jane's Addiction. You know, Perry Farrell was a visionary, started Lollapalooza, which gave, uh, you know, really a platform for many of these other bands to deliver their product to the masses. I don't know that Jane's Addiction gets enough credit for their contributions. I think they were kind of overshadowed by some louder bands. But if you go back and listen to Nothing Shocking and Ritual by Little Habitual, I think you'll agree with me that they are incredible. Dave Navarro, uh, who was you know kind of known now for for Ink Master, you know Dave was you know spent some time with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, but uh, you know his early work with Change Addiction was just really revolutionary. I mean, it really changed the sound. Number six on my list, you may disagree, but I loved them, Smashing Pumpkins. I listened to uh, to Gish recently. Mayonnaise, all that stuff. The whole album is great. Uh, Sammy's Dream was really kind of the breakthrough for them with today. But my favorite album is the double album, Melancholy and Infinite Sadness. I could listen to Butterfly Wings all day. Love Billy Corgan. Things got a little bit disjointed in the band after that album. But uh, again, some, some things deeper in the catalog are really good, too. But those first three albums are just top shelf. I think they're all three classic albums of the 90s. I would encourage you to go back and listen to those you know, in, now. Number five on the list, and they have been one of the bands that have kind of been able to sustain some success. They actually, again, started in the 80s, but really found their peak in the 90s. That's the Red Hot Chili Peppers. You know, you can go back and listen to Blood Sugar, Sex, and Magic, and it takes you back to a magical place. You go back and listen to all that stuff, and you feel good about life. It reminds you of a simpler time in life. I like a lot of the later stuff, by the way, all of that. And, and, you know, with Flea and Anthony Kiedis and, you know, John Frashani, they have uh, laid down some incredible things. Soul to Squeeze. Uh, I haven't read... Scar Tissue yet, the Anthony Kiedis biography, but I, I hope to at some point, the autobiography. It's another guy that's in recovery. Got a lot of respect for him. He also had a, had a minor role in Point Break, the movie, the original, the classic. Go back and watch that one on your Netflix if you can find it. Number four on my list, Pearl Jam. Mentioned him earlier as part of the Love Bone piece. Pearl Jam, I, I believe, if you're going to talk about the quintessential, quote, grunge band, it is Pearl Jam. They are the grunge band. That they fit it all. Very consistent. Still putting out great music. Uh, just had a new album come out uh, earlier this year. It's a little different for them. Kind of a departure from a true sound. But you could stack up those first four or five Pearl Jam albums against anybody. And when you look at their catalog, uh, and it's really you know, I, it's for the most part, but still the classic lineup. Um, you know, Matt Shepard, I know has joined the band as a drummer, but uh, they had Jack Irons for a while. They've kind of changed drummers out a few times. But uh, Mike McCready and, and Stone and, and Jeff and Eddie, those guys have remained true to themselves. And I know many people would say that the number one 90s band, I, just, I disagree. I disagree. Because, again, this is my personal list. It's based on my personal opinion. 
not on what Billboard magazine has to say, or Ticketmaster for that matter. But Pearl Jam, to me, stacks up against anybody. You can put their catalog up against anybody, and I think you're going to pick Pearl Jam more times than not. Number three on my list, and I could have gone higher here, number three, Rage Against the Machine. I don't know what my life would be like today had I not discovered Rage Against the Machine. And I will give a little shout out here. A good friend of mine, former college roommate of mine, Jim Winter. Jim Winter. Now lives over in Yeovil, England. Jim had a friend named Reeve McNamara from Jackson that turned us on to Rage Against the Machine. That solo, that first album came out, self-titled album, it absolutely changed my life. I listened to that and I was like, where has this been? I see Rage Against the Machine a lot like Guns N' Roses. Like I remember where I was when I heard Welcome to the Jungle. I, I know exactly where I was the first time that I heard Bomb Track from Rage Against the Machine. They're, they're in that same rarefied air to me. And like everything else, you know, a lot of those bands, you know, they, they explode big and they burn bright and they burn out fast. And that's kind of what happened with Rage. But you take those first three albums and really even the covers album. And I think it stacks up. It's just not deep enough. It's not a deep enough catalog for me to say, you know what, these guys are number one. But when I think about it, it's one thing young people, and I've got a daughter that's very, very involved in politics, political science major at state. I turned her on a Rage Against the Machine. I said, hey, listen, back in 1992, I guess it was 92, 92, 96, one of the two, one of them. Rage Against the Machine played a free concert across the street from both the Republican National Convention and the Democratic National Convention, and I felt like our voice was being heard. I don't know that it made any difference, but when you think about Gen X, and that's one of the things that I kind of laugh when people talk about these you know, baby boomers and millennials, uh, it's the Gen Xers is going to save the world here through this crisis, okay? But Rage Against the Machine was kind of our band, and there were a lot of things politically that Tom Rowe and I don't agree on. But one of the things that I loved about Rage Against the Machine is that they were involved in causes that really mattered. Whether you agree with their politics or not, there's nobody today that is a headliner when it comes to political things like Rage Against the Machine was. They were an important band, a very, very, very important band. I could have easily put them number one, but their catalog, I think, just wasn't quite deep enough. And I don't know that I've ever heard a bad Rage song, just so you know. Number two on my list, and again, this is my list, is Alice in Chains. I think Alice in Chains kind of transcended the grunge genre. That facelift album came out when I was in high school. And I, again, it was like, it was unlike anything else. When Man in the Box came on MTV, people, some people were scared. Like, what, 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 what is this? I don't know that I should be listening to this. That's exactly why you should have been listening to it. Because it made you a little bit uncomfortable. That whole first album, uh, We Die Young, The Real Thing, It Ain't Like That, all that stuff's great. But uh, the Alice in Chains album was the big follow-up, Dirt. And yeah, I, I, listen, I know Sap came before all of that. I, I get it. That was an EP. But these are major releases, and I have them all. Dirt is one, especially that was around time that I was really kind of getting clean and sober. And so a lot of those, you know, it's when Jerry and Lane both were kind of struggling with addiction. And, and uh, that album means a lot to me. So Dirt, incredible. Jar of Flies, I actually have a Jar of Flies tattoo. Much different album for them, but I could listen to that. I Stay Away, all that. It's uh, Lane Staley, one of the greatest vocalists, in my mind, of all time. 
and it's been a little different. You know, I, I'm I'm trying to get on board with the new Allison chains, but uh, it's it's difficult for me. It really is. And the number one, the number one band of the 1990s. And there's some some people be thinking, well, what's it going to be? Is it going to be this? It's going to be that? It's got to be this? It's got to be that? No, no, it's not any of those. It's Soundgarden. It is Sound. Garden, the top rock band of the 1990s, and there I will hear no other arguments. Chris Cornell was the voice of a, of a generation. Chris Cornell, the best songwriter, the best lyricist, the best spokesperson for what was happening in the 1990s. Don't buy into all this hyperbole and rhetoric from other people. Soundgarden a definitive band, and uh, many people said, well, Steve, I thought you were going to pick Nirvana. Well, you know nothing about me, because I'll talk about that a little bit more, but Soundgarden had already been nominated for two Grammys before Nirvana had a, re a major record deal. Soundgarden, groundbreaking sound. I remember Axl Rose actually turned us all on a Soundgarden on the Headbangers Ball. Said, this is the, this is the new thing. Said, Soundgarden is the next big thing in rock music, and they were. They don't get a lot of the credit they deserve, but they are. You go back and listen to them. Go to the you know Ultra Mega Okay, Louder Than Love, Bad Motorfinger. I think is the definitive album. Fell on Black Days, probably my favorite Soundgarden song. But Soundgarden is the best band of the 1990s. I will. You, you cannot change my mind about this. And some other people are saying, "Well, Steve, what about Green Day? Well, what about Green Day?" If you if you if you want corporate sellout pop, then they're your band. I I I have never heard a song from Green Day at any point in my life that I said, you know what, I'd like to buy that. No, at, at no point. And you know you you feel free to like them. This is America. You have the right to be wrong. I am not a Green Day fan in the least. I agree with Johnny Rotten. They're completely fake. They're complete posers. And you can say, well, Steve, Nirvana's not even in an honorable mention. You're right about that too. You know, outside of Smells Like Teen Spirit, uh, maybe Heart Shaped Box, I can get behind. So I can't just pick a band that's just got a couple of good songs. If I was just going to pick somebody with a couple of good songs, I could have picked Candlebox. For that matter, I, you know, I could have picked one of those boy bands, but I didn't. Not a Nirvana fan at all. I think the best thing to come out of Nirvana was the Foo Fighters and Dave Grohl. Just don't get it. And there's a lot of that stuff. That people, well, he's writing cryptic. No, he's not. He's high as a kite. I didn't get it. I didn't get it then. I didn't like it then. I don't like it now. I respect the fact that Nirvana sold what seventy-five million records. I get it. You know, there are a lot of bands out there that uh, that sell a lot of records that, in my mind, are, are irrelevant. And uh, it's it is difficult to deny Nirvana's influence on rock music. It would be short-sighted to say that. But I think bands like Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, Rage Against the Machine, Pearl Jam, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Jane's Addiction, Tool, all those bands in my mind did more to advance the rock in the world. That's the top 10 list. I remind you, Campus Bookmark, those folks still happy to serve you. You can go by and see Stan the Man and Kathy Brown and the lovely talented Susie. You might want to wait a little while. Maybe you stick to online shopping for now. We're going to encourage you to stick to online shopping. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. And mom, 
we still want the Mississippi State baseball stuff. All of us that have some of our birthdays and that kind of stuff, we know that this too shall pass. And when it does, we want to be wearing maroon and white. So if you go ahead and order that stuff now, it'll give us something to be happy about right during this quarantine. We'll, we'll, we can't wait to wear it. Matter of fact, if you, if you if you ordered me a Mississippi State pinstripe stitched jersey, I might wear I might wear it every day. I might just wash it, take it off. Maybe I take it off or I wash it. Take it off, wash it, put it on the next day. Absolutely love it. Mississippi State gear is always what you want. You can find it at campusbookmart.net. And again, promo code BSR. So let's get into a couple other things. We're going to have a longer show today. And you and what do you, well, you don't have anywhere to be, right? It's not like you got any ball games to watch right now. But there is some hope on the horizon about that sort of stuff. I don't know if you guys know this, but the Chinese Basketball Association, and again, I take a lot of this stuff with Chinese stuff kind of with a grain of salt. I get it. But, you know, they have had some players that have remained in in camp and have continued to practice. And I want to read some of this stuff to you, too, because I think it's important. So <clears throat> there are some folks in the Chinese Basketball League that have called the American players back and uh, basically said, if you don't come back, you're going to be banned from three years. Uh, that's probably a little bit uh, harsh. But they're trying to have some type of normalcy. And uh, so here's one of the things that I wanted to share with you. Former North Carolina State guard Alaric Freeman plays in China. He has been over there since January. He was playing over in Turkey, but he's there. And he recently told ESPN a few things that I think are rather interesting. That even though the coronavirus was spreading, he stayed in China for 10 weeks longer than that now, he was the only American basketball player still in China, still practicing two days a week, today, pardon me, twice a day with his teammates. And here's a quote he told ESPN. At first, it was because my visa was taking so long. It's normally a two-week process. Because of the virus and the Chinese New Year ended up taking much longer until around mid-February. By the time I thought it would be counterproductive, by the time I, by that time, pardon me, I thought it would be counterproductive to leave and go play in another league and risk the same exact thing happening once the virus spread. My only regret is that I decided to send my fiancé and five-year-old back to the U.S. Sometimes I wish I'd kept him here with me because it seems it's getting worse in America than it is here. And again, this is a quote that, that he gives, gives ESPN. It seems there's a panic in America, not here. People stayed home and didn't interact with each other. Now life is back to normal for what it seems. People are walking around. The streets are flooded, bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic. Most restaurants and businesses are open. If that's any indication, it seems it's getting as close to back to normal as possible. People are still wearing masks and getting their temperature checked. I get my temperature checked every day, sometimes twice a day, at my hotel, restaurants, grocery stores, at a security check, entering the gym. I don't know what happens to people who have a fever. I guess not let them in. I wonder about that sometimes. And so, again, you know, this is China was kind of the epicenter of this virus initially. And, again, I take some of this, you know, kind of you know, kind of with a grain of salt because, you know, the, the Chinese have been a little bit um, restrictive of times of free speech. And so I don't know if perhaps they've given him some talking points. But it sounds like they're beginning to kind of transition back to a normal life in some respects. You know, around the globe, as I mentioned earlier this week, you know, South Korea is beginning to schedule some games. Adam Silver 
commissioner of the National Basketball Association here in America, uh, spoke with Rachel Nichols on Wednesday night and talked about kind of where things stand right now with the NBA. And so here are the things that he told her that I think are, are very important. What are the conditions we need for the league to restart? I would say I'm looking at three different things. And again, this is Adam Silver, commissioner of the NBA speaking. One is when can we restart and operate as we've known it with 19,000 fans in the building? Option two is should we consider restarting without fans and what would that mean? Because presumably if we had a group of players and a staff around them and you could test them and follow some sort of protocol, doctors and health officials may say that it's safe to play. A third option that we're looking at now is the impact on the national psyche of having no sports programming on television. And one of the things we've been talking about are, are there conditions in which a group of players could compete? Maybe it's for a giant fundraiser or just the collective good of the people. When you take a subset of players, and is there a protocol where they can be tested in quarantine and isolated in some way, and they can compete against each other? Because people are stuck at home, and I think they need a diversion. They need to be entertained. And that's one of the things that we look at. And so it, it appears... You know, there are still some steps to be taken. And listen, I, I believe the experts. I, I don't get on, I don't, listen, I, I do my best not to watch cable news. I, I made a commitment years ago. I used to watch cable news all day, every day. Whenever I got home, from the time that I got home, the time I went to bed, I would watch all those shows until they began to replay. And all it did was make me more fearful and more depressed and, and give me such a negative view of the world. And listen, I understand that there's times you got to watch if you want election results. And even though I'm not really big in the political process, um, I vote. But it's not one of the situations where I spend all day every day trying to convince people who are just as hard-headed as I am on Facebook that their political views are wrong. But... There's so much of this out there. There's so much news out there that you, you, I think it's just best to listen to the experts. And I don't mean, you know, there's somebody that says, hey, I got this from a friend who works with the, this person, and they post it on Facebook. And that's really a clever way of just, you know, spreading fake news and to put their own opinions out there. Hey, I heard this from a buddy of mine. You know, and it's kind of like recruiting rumors, right? And so listen to the folks at the CDC. Listen to local officials, and as we've, we've seen recently, uh, Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves has announced that uh, we're going to keep schools closed for basically another month. I know in my house, we're still doing schoolwork. We're still getting assignments on a daily basis, and we're having to do those online. And I'm glad that we're able to do something besides sit around and sleep all day and, and play video games and watch Netflix. I'm glad something productive is being done. But those are the things that we're working through. And at some point, this thing is going to end. And when we get to the other end of this, we're going to find out what kind of people we really are. And more importantly, we're going to find out about the people around us. Yeah, you know, I, I laugh and joke about things from time to time, you know, about, you know, what what do we do if we descend into anarchy? What's going to happen? You know, we're already seeing a national panic over toilet paper. You know, what would happen if we actually had some manufacturing plants shut down, some essential plants? That, you know, that would be... Incredible. We start, then at that point, you know, money becomes obsolete. And we just start bartering with the goods that we have. I don't think it ever, it ever gets to that point, not in my lifetime. But we're going to find out what kind of people that we are. And sooner rather than later, hopefully we'll have some sports to watch. And I agree with Adam Silver. I think it is important 
you know, to our collective psyche that we have some big things that take place to kind of remind us that we're doing more than just working, paying bills and buying food and, and hunkering down. Uh, it, it is one of those things I have been to town just a handful of times in the past couple of weeks. Since we got back from Nashville, I went to pick up my car, I took my kid to the dentist, and I have gone to a friend's house for dinner. The small three and four person dinner. That's it. That's all that I've done. I try not to get out. I try not to go to the stores because I, here's the thing. I believe that these other people that study diseases know more about them than I do. And so if they tell me, hey, listen, you need to avoid getting out as much as you can, then that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to go watch the Post Malone concert and be there around 10,000 other non-hand washing, mouth breathing people sitting all on top of me spreading their germs. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go down to Miami and go to spring break and, and do a bar crawl down there with other people that uh, potentially are carriers of the disease, whether they have symptoms or not. I'm going to trust the people that are telling me this is what you should do. You know, you know listen, Adam Silver can't tell me anything about covering Mississippi State because I'm the expert when it comes to Mississippi State. Uh, you know, the doctors that are at the CDC, they're not going to tell me anything about covering college football recruiting. And so I'm not going to sit here and try to be the expert on what they're good at. And that's one of the things that I have learned about life. No matter the topic, there's always these few people on social media that they're an expert on everything. Oh, well, hear what I've heard. They've got a source for this and a source for that. You know, sometimes it's okay to admit you don't know anything and just depend on the information provided by the experts. So again, I'm going to encourage you. Be smart, take care of yourself, wash your hands, love your family, hug your kids. Don't waste any time holding grudges. Reach out to people and say, you know, listen, I want to let you guys know when this happened a while back, I was wrong. Or you were wrong, and I forgive you for it. And I want to put it behind you. I think it's important that we, it's not grudges, you know, it's like resentments. I heard somebody say one time years ago, you're holding a resentment's like peeing down your own leg. You're the only person that feels it. So let's let all that stuff go. Now is a great time for us to reconcile with any people that we have issues with. So I encourage you to do that. Um, don't want to be everybody's sponsor here, but I think it's important that uh, in times like these, we can take a personal inventory and decide, you know what, these things and all this baggage I've been hanging on to, they're just weighing me down. I just want to leave all this behind me. I want to take this and be let this be a changing moment in my life, and I'm going to leave this stuff behind. It's, uh, it's very free because forgiveness is for you, not for the other person. Well, that's going to do it for today. I'll be back on Friday, and you never know what we're going to talk about. We might talk about that 2009 class. We might talk about some of the great moments that I've covered in uh, recruiting and uh, some great players and people that uh, that I have a tremendous amount of respect for. Maybe we do that. Maybe we do early 90s dance on a top 10 list. I don't know. Maybe we do best places to visit. Maybe we do uh, you know, best SEC road trips. I don't know. But we've got plenty of time to figure all that out. If you have suggestions, and I get them, and, and some of you have reached out. And matter of fact, today's topic came from a Boneyard listener that says, Hey, Steve, I remember the 80s, but I was a little young. 90s is really more my wheelhouse. What do you think? And so here we are. So if you've got interesting topics, uh, and listen, if you're going to ask me like to rank my favorite Powerpuff Girls ex uh, you know, episodes, that sort of stuff, you're going to be disappointed. That's not my cup of tea. Uh, even though I had kids that watched it every day, I, I didn't watch it. So so if I bypass all that, don't get your feelings hurt. 
But uh, we're all in this thing together. We're going to do our best over on Gene's page to keep you guys abreast of what's going on with Mississippi State. Paul Jones and I, Gene Swindoll, Robbie Falk, everybody working hard to provide good content. Our content production has not slowed down. No, we don't have any press conferences to cover. No, we have no games to attend. But we're still reaching out, and we're finding other angles, and we're talking to recruits, and we're talking to coaches of recruits, and we're keeping you abreast of all the things that are going on that are Mississippi State-related. So if you're looking for a break from 24-hour, seven-day-a-week coverage of the coronavirus, come on over to Gene's page. Uh, most of our content is free, but some of it's VIP. you got to check in and listen to that. But, uh, but all that being said, we're trying to kind of operate uh, life on life's terms, but at the same time looking forward to, uh, to us resuming sports activity sooner rather than later. I hope that you guys are well. I hope all of those that you love are well. And I want to thank our friends and the armed forces that are around the world. Many of them, I'm sure, kind of freaking out about what's happening back home. And so any chance, I know that I speak on all of us in the Mississippi State podcast community, I know that any opportunity that we can give you guys a dose of home, just a little bit of what's going on here, and kind of take your mind off some of that. We are overjoyed to do that for you. And so for all of you in armed forces and all of you that have loved ones in harm's way, thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice to our great country and to all of us. And there are so many things out there to divide us and to remind us that we're not all the same. I think that's one of the things that we can all unite behind is there are a lot of people out there doing a job that we don't want to do to keep us all safe. And we often take those people for granted. And uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that. Thank you to our armed men and women of the armed forces and all the people that love them back here in the United States. Well, folks, it's going to do it for today. Remind you, if you hadn't done so, go to StarkBillingsTheBook.com. You can get copies of Flim Flam and Stark Billings right there. Uh, and I've signed a bunch of copies in advance. We could even get some personalized for you if we needed to. Get your summer reading material together now. You got, don't have any ball games to watch. You might as well read Stark Villains because here's the deal. There are 22 chapters in Stark Villains, and Mississippi State wins all 22 of them. How about that? Go back and read Flim Flam, relive all that. Uh, sometimes I go back and, and read some of those chapters just to kind of remind me. Uh, of the writing and kind of where I was at the time. All that stuff's important to me. And still working on Stark Villains, too. Looking forward to seeing you guys again soon. We'll be back on the road signing books you know, later in the process. We've had a couple events. We've had to reschedule. Supposed to get back to Baton Rouge. We had an event scheduled for next week in Huntsville. That won't happen. But uh, that's all temporary. we got a, we got bigger things ahead of us. Now, I look forward to uh, to reconnecting with you guys and having a chance to, to resume a normal life. I know you guys feel the same way. And I think it's important that we still have this show three days a week. And and I know Brian and Joel feel the same way as I do, is that uh, I enjoy doing the show, but I also enjoy being able to provide a bit of a distraction, a little bit of an escape from all the problems that we're having in the world right now. Because it's not any of our fault. It's just one of those things that happens. We're all kind of dealing with this together. So until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live. <laughs>